Hello, everyone. My name is John McDonough. Welcome to Health or Consequences, a Massachusetts health policy podcast of Commonwealth Magazine and Mass Inc. Welcome to our guest today, Deborah DeVoe, who is the new chairperson of the Massachusetts Health Policy Commission. We're excited to have you here, Deborah. Welcome and thanks for coming. And uh, I'll introduce my colleague, Paul Haddis from the Lown Institute, formerly of the Tufts School of Medicine, who does this podcast with me every month or so when we get it together. So I will turn it over to Paul and let's get rolling. Thank you, John. Like you, very excited to have our new chairman of the State's Health Policy Commission, Deb DeVoe, with us. And Deb, I wonder, just to get things going for our podcast audience sake, if you can say a little bit about your background experience, as well as answer the question that when Governor Baker asked you to become the chair of the Health Policy Commission, you were uh, able to say yes, if you would, please. Sure. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to be with you and have the opportunity to talk about the Health Policy Commission. So my uh, background is I've worked in Massachusetts healthcare for my entire career, um, about 25 years for health plans and 10 in provider organizations providing direct care. Um, I retired from Beth Israel Leahy Health earlier this year. But in each of my jobs, I've always had one common thread of responsibility, which is provider-payer relationships, how those work to manage cost and quality. Um, and have also always had the opportunity to work closely with patients, with providers across the spectrum of care, with employers, with government, and have then been able to get the perspective that cost is essential to access. We wish it weren't. We wish every one of those uh, uh, you know, organizations in healthcare wishes that we did not have to worry about cost, but that it's essential and that it's a shared responsibility. So when we look at every major advance that we've made in healthcare reform in Massachusetts, and we're proud to be a leader, all of those have been based on shared responsibility. And, uh, you know, meaning that payers, providers, patients, employers, government, each have a critical impact on cost and therefore on access and quality. So what led me to accept the offer uh, when Governor Baker gave me the opportunity to serve is that um, I could see how this moment in time is so critical for Massachusetts coming out of the COVID pandemic that healthcare cost really matters in a way that's even different um, and even more important than it has been in the past. And that I can see that the HPC, the Health Policy Commission, has had a role in that, an important role in managing that. So believing, you know, as I do, that we won't have a strong healthcare system without managing costs and that HPC makes a difference. I could also see how my experience was a fit with the other commissioners that are serving now, how I could contribute. Um, and then my husband was very supportive of me coming out of retirement. So that worked too. He, he could see how this would uh, be meaningful for me. So all those things came together and I'm delighted that I decided to do it. My first few weeks have just been, you know, reinforcing the decision to jump in. 
So Deb, it's been 10 years since the 2012 law was passed that created the Health Policy Commission and established the state healthcare cost growth benchmark that has kind of been its North Star over this decade. It's been led by Stuart Altman for the past 10 years very ably. So you're filling some uh, venerable shoes and respected shoes in terms of your role. At your first HPC board meeting, you were quoted as saying, uh, time for us to consider new approaches to rising healthcare costs. Do you have specific new approaches in mind when you made that comment? Yes, and thanks for listening. So I believe, and the HPC believes, we need to consider new approaches because the challenges and issues have changed um, over the 10 years and accelerated in the last three years. So because the public health and economic realities have evolved so significantly, we have different circumstances to navigate affordability. So we believe that we need some different approaches to do that. And you know, we know we have to do this in the context that every provider organization is struggling to provide access, struggling to hire and maintain the workforce. And we also know that 50% of people in Massachusetts told us in 2021 that they deferred necessary care because of cost. So we have access concerns on the part of providers, every provider, it's across the spectrum. And we have patients that are deferring necessary care because of cost. So that's why I said we have to consider new approaches. Now, what are we focused on in those new approaches? The key drivers of cost are increases to price, unit price, and drug cost trends, not utilization. So our approaches need to focus on the cost per unit and pharmaceutical trends. The HPC just issued our recommendations for 2023. And these include, I'll highlight the, the um, top priorities, strengthening accountability for the healthcare cost growth benchmark, our tool for managing unit prices and allowing greater financial penalties for organizations that persistently exceed the cost growth benchmark. We hope we never have to apply those penalties, but they serve as an important factor in focus on cost. Second, we believe that the state oversight for the pharmaceutical sector needs to be expanded. And third, we want to change the accountability for health insurers by setting targets and standards, both for premiums, but also for cost sharing as part of the annual rate review process, which has become one of the major concerns of patients and one of the reasons that they may not be getting necessary care. So you can see our recommendations focus on this shared responsibility across the different sectors in the industry and on the issues that the data has shown are driving the cost, unit price and pharmaceutical trends. So it sounds to me like from what you're saying, it's not so much let's take on some new instruments or new approaches, but it's rather let's kind of put our foot on the gas pedal perhaps a little bit more than we have been during the last decade? Good point, yes. Okay, Paul? 
So in that regard, um, and even in areas that you mentioned, the HPC currently has some regulatory power. Does it need more different kind of powers or the powers that it currently has, does it need to be changed or strengthened in some way from your view, Deb? I believe the powers need to be changed and strengthened. So we do we need the power to expand the metrics that are the basis for monitoring costs. And we can only use those metrics that are specified for us in regulation. And also we think we need to strengthen the performance improvement plan process by allowing the HPC to set the savings targets and to identify the types of strategies that are used in the performance improvement plan. We also recommend, as we've just talked about, greater potential penalties for persistent non-compliance, again, as a factor for organizations to consider in coming to the table and the trade-offs um, that they're making and the commitment and level of targets that they're proposing. Well, while I'm asking about it, um, it was sort of on the agenda of last week's meeting, at least it was talked about, although you guys didn't take an active role, but it's been suggested that in the expansion area, I don't mean the acquisition area where HPC already has a sort of authority for its cost of market impact review, but when organizations just do build out of capital expansions, more inpatient beds or ambulatory sites, you sort of have to assert yourself into a process which is primarily under the control of DPH. And any additional thoughts about additional powers in that, in that specific realm? Yeah, that's an important consideration. We are an important partner in providing a source of facts and analysis. And it has been suggested to us that we could be even more useful in that. I don't know what shape that will take, but I think it's important that you're um, raising that as a potential for the future. So um, Deb, most of your career has been in private health insurance in Massachusetts, several decades with Massachusetts Blue Cross Blue Shield, and, uh, and about a decade in the health provider side with Beth Israel Leahy. How does that influence your ideas about uh, your new position, do you think? Um, thank you. Um, no, at Blue Cross, I had the responsibility to work with every provider in Massachusetts. You know, as you know, Blue Cross has a very broad network, every hospital, every physician in Massachusetts, every organization that provides care to patients. We touched and worked with um, over my career. I also had the opportunity to work with the employers who purchased Blue Cross coverage and our almost 3 million members who relied on Blue Cross. So this gave me a very deep respect for the realities of providing care, paying for it. And you know, we at Blue Cross had to make sometimes very difficult decisions on what to cover, how to pay for it, and about um, pricing in general, and many, many trade-offs, as I know you both um, appreciate. So I bring that to the table, and there is, um, you know, there's absolutely no consideration or decision that I have made that isn't informed by how that affects all of the different um, 
you know, people that are in the healthcare system as, as patients, as those paying for care, whether it's employer, government, or the patient themselves, the providers, et cetera. So I think that's the most important experience I have. I can look at this through the different lenses that are important. And then at Beth Israel Leahy Health, I was also responsible for our contracts with payers. So that continued, but I had responsibility for continuing care and behavioral health, continuing care, meaning our nursing homes, assisted living and home health uh, organization. And I joined in early 2019 when Beth Israel Leahy Health formed. Um, so was part of the team leading through the peak of the COVID response. And as you can imagine, you know, that's had a tremendous influence on my orientation and my outlook. And I believe, and the HPC believes, we cannot hold providers accountable for issues they cannot control. So as we look at costs, we have to be aware of and respectful of the fact that there are factors that are beyond any of our control. And we need to balance um, you know, our actions by recognizing that. So over the course of the past decade, the biggest conflicts uh, that have uh, affected the commission and the providers have been with MGB, formerly partners, going back to 2014-15, South Shore Hospital, the landmark hospitals north of Boston. And then most recently, there are plans for outpatient expansion in suburban communities. Will the recent process with MGB uh, represent the, the end of that conflict, or should we expect that to continue going into the future? Do you think that's uh, settled business now with MGB, or should we anticipate that there will be a, a, a significant amount of uh, more tension into the future? The HPC's responsibility is taking action based on the impact of healthcare cost and market functioning. So I understand what you're saying, which is that, you know, Mass General Brigham is absolutely critical um, given their position in our market. They're absolutely critical to healthcare costs in the state. Um, but while I agree with you, you know, the HPC has taken the actions that you're referencing around um, Mass General Brigham, we've also found significant impact from other proposed transactions. And, you know, as, as one example, the creation of the Beth Israel Leahy Health System and that review resulted in action by the Attorney General's office that created cost caps that no other provider in the Commonwealth, including Mass General Brigham, is subject to. So while I agree that um, you know, the actions that you're referencing has been critical, I just wanna um, say that from my perspective, there have been other significant actions that have uh, created other uh, impact on providers. And also we have an annual process for reviewing costs within the HPC, reviewing entities that have exceeded the cost growth benchmark. And I've now begun engaging in that process for the first time myself as an active participant internally. And I can report to you 
there's a very rigorous process for every provider that is referred. And what I've come to realize now that I'm part of the HPC is that because much of that data needs to be held confidential, it's proprietary to the provider involved. So it has not been as visible as uh, the you know, results that are voted on and decided to make public. I can see the depth and breadth of the analysis, and I can tell you that it has influenced costs, even when a PIP, even when a performance improvement plan is not required. The consultative process and engagement has produced a result. So to your specific question, I, I can't predict exactly what our focus will be going forward. What I can say specifically to MGB is that we have really appreciated the responsiveness and the commitment of MGB through the performance improvement plan. It was our first. We neither, I don't think either the HPC or MGB um, knew what to expect. We had to work through some of the issues that um, came up, you know, for the first time. And while the value of this will be demonstrated by the result, so we need to measure and monitor, and this is the beginning of the process, I was, you know, very respectful of how MGB came to the table. So yeah, I'd like to focus you a little bit on um, working with other branches of government, uh, legislative and ultimately the executive. But let's start with the legislative. You know, you're, you're coming up on your cost trends hearings and you noted in your earlier comments today, sort of three priority areas that the HPC has for um, you know, some improvements, call them even legislative changes. But, you know, every year HPC has a cost trends hearing and every year they have a report and every year they have recommendations in there, often a good number of them for the legislature to do, but not a lot of uptake so far over, over these past years. Uh, you thought about that and especially do you think it could be different this time around uh, moving forward? Yeah, we certainly have had a very positive and productive relationship with the two governors that have been in place since we formed and with the, their administrations and the legislature. And we expect that that's gonna continue with the new administration and we look forward to it. Now I've been meeting with the leaders of the House and Senate and with individual members since I was uh, appointed a couple of months ago. And what I'm hearing uniformly is that the Health Policy Commission is a trusted source of truth, facts, analysis, and a very strong partner. Um, and so, uh, and also I'm hearing that our use, the Health Policy Commission's use has been recognized by the fact that the legislature and the governor have added new responsibilities for the Health Policy Commission. Um, and I'm also encouraged by the fact that what I'm hearing from Governor Baker and from Speaker Mariano is that they included the recommendations from the Health Policy Commission that you're referencing in, in prior years in their legislative priorities and efforts. So as you said, those have not been implemented or, or passed yet, but they those uh, recommendations continue to be priorities that are top of mind for the current leadership and legislators. So we need to see what happens in January, but I do feel that there's a 
positive sort of pH balance to focusing on some of these recommendations. And I feel as the HPC, it's our responsibility to be very focused in terms of what we think is most important. There's always many things that can be done, but it's a, um, helpful to hone in on those that are most important, and we will do that. And as you know, there will be a new governor uh, come January, new administration, people working with that governor. Any particular hopes and expectations going into a new administration uh, as well? Any thoughts there? Well, we're, we're a state where healthcare is very important. So I feel that any new administration is going to have a priority around healthcare, particularly given the kinds of challenges that we've been focused on. So I'm very hopeful that both um, there'll be a focus of time, attention, and resources on these issues, and also that the um, energy around this is going to be very positive. Are you uh, are you familiar in your new role, Deb, with um, the extent to which the Massachusetts Health Policy Commission model has been picked up by other states around the country, Connecticut, Delaware, Colorado. It's really established kind of a national trend. Um, in, in contrast to Maryland, which has the oldest regulatory system, which is much more kind of hard-fisted in terms of uh, hard regulatory controls on price increases. And the Massachusetts model, which you'd say is probably softer, than the Maryland approach is the one that seems to have traction. Does that influence your role and your thinking about your position in the uh, HPC at this point? Yeah, very interesting question. You know, I'm just beginning to learn about the actions of the other states you're referencing. There are seven states that have taken on the um, approach that the HPC pioneered and are working with that. Some of them have adopted uh, measures beyond and have strengthened the levers beyond what the HPC has currently in Massachusetts. So I'm early in my learnings on this. It's very important because these other states certainly learned from us, but now we can learn from them. My colleagues have been immersed in that learning um, you know, continuously. And what I would say is um, my initial view is that we have much to learn from what the other states have put in place. And while our approach to setting a benchmark, the integrity around the analysis of measuring performance and um, instituting the first performance improvement plan in the country are valuable to other states, we have much to learn from them. So I'm looking forward to um, quickly getting up to speed on that. I, I have a follow-up in that regard, because you, you, know, you did earlier talk about the importance not only of provider prices, but also drug costs and spending. And some will say that a lot of, I want to focus on pharma for a moment, a lot of the decision-making there, at least on the governmental oversight or regulatory side, comes out of the federal government. But any, any thoughts you have in general about what a state like Massachusetts uh, can do in that realm? to try to make that more affordable uh, cost, either for employers and premiums or, or for people uh, in the out-of-pocket side? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think what we can do in Massachusetts and as the Health Policy Commission is first analyze 
the key drugs that are contributing most to cost growth and look at what reasonable pricing would be for those drugs. And that's something that there's um, you know, tremendous experience in the approach for how to do, how to do that, as you know. Um, and that's something that we could expand uh, significantly in Massachusetts. Then I think the other uh, contribution that we can make to cost control on pharmaceutical is to expand how we report on drug costs. One of the positives of the HPC has been that source of truth that we were talking about earlier. We don't have that common source of truth to track drug costs at the moment in as rigorous a way as we do for other services. And I think both of those things would contribute to having a common understanding of the issues and the potential to take action. So, so Deb, we're a couple of weeks away from uh, election day on November 8th. We're gonna have a new governor in January. Uh, looks like from all the polls, it's gonna be the Attorney General Maura Healy, of course, need to put an asterisk next to that because nobody knows at the end of the day, but seems fairly certain. Are you at all concerned about having a new administration in January that might take things in an entirely different direction in terms of their expectations and their uh, demands? You will have the Secretary of Health and Human Services, whoever that new person is on your board. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking about feeling? What's on your mind as you think about coming in January and a significant uh, new player or a new set of players on the scene? I'm new to public service, so I have a lot to learn about how the different organizations work together and the roles and boundaries and collaboration, et cetera. But what I will say is that we have always, uh, for the 10 years that we've been in existence and within our state, we have all benefited from this very positive working relationship within the government and between the government and the you know, healthcare organizations in Massachusetts. I am not concerned about that changing. I certainly don't take it for granted. I think it requires very intentional decisions on the part of all of the new parties that you reference, but I feel like um, it would be very unlikely to want to change that uh, set of positive uh, factors because they're working. And I think a new governor, and, and uh, you referenced that you believe it will be Maura Healy. She's very careful to say she's not counting on anything until election day. So I'll reinforce that. But certainly she has been very clear about saying if something is broken, she is not going to fix it. She has plenty of other things to focus on. And these relationships that you know we're talking about that affect the HPC are very strong, very positive, and there's really no need to restructure or intervene in those in a way that would be um, of concern to me. So I'm I'm feeling very positive about it. Finally, Deb, as, as John noted, sort of at the beginning of, of of our podcast, you're only the second chairman of the Health Policy Commission. Uh, coming in after Stu Altman filled that role uh, for 10 years since uh, the HPC got started. Are we likely to see you as the chair for the next 10 years? And uh, whether we see you for that length of time or, 
or some other, and any changes you plan to make uh, in how the HPC operates or uh, uh, its efforts in front of the public? And any thoughts about that? Thank you so much. First, let me say that there's only one Stuart Altman. So I certainly cannot fill his shoes and uh, he is, he's, he's just, he's exceptional. But I'm so grateful to him for his leadership and for that 10 year commitment that you're referencing. It was absolutely critical to creating the organization we have now and to the impact it has had. Um, so I speak for all of us at the HPC when I say um, he, his, his 10 years have left, left us a legacy and we look forward to honoring that. But you asked about changes. You know, we do have to continually evolve and Dr. Altman did that as well because we face different challenges and because we have been given new responsibilities. So I do anticipate that we need to evolve along the lines that we talked about earlier in the podcast, meaning to advocate strongly for specific new responsibilities and um, authority, and also to improve our approaches and um, impact for the responsibilities we do have. So I do feel we'll need to continue to resolve little early to be clear about exactly how, but I can tell you we are certainly thinking about that. And also a little early to commit to whether I'm, I'll be here for 10 years, but I'll keep you posted on that. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking, I don't wanna speak for, for John and I, for John at least, but I'll certainly say that, uh, although I guess he'll join me in this, we look forward to those evolutions and changes too over the years, you know, in a positive way for sure. And uh, I'll let John get the last word in here to have a final thank you if you'd like. Okay, so Deborah DeVoe, chairperson of the Massachusetts Health Policy Commission. Thank you so much for joining us and being so open in your early days, in your tenure in this important new role. We wish you the best and uh, look forward to staying in close touch with you in the commission. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Paul and I will be back next month with uh, another guest to dive into the depths of Massachusetts health policy. So thank you, Deborah. Thanks, Paul. And thanks to all of you.